we look at 1 Peter 1, 5, and we building upon what we saw last week and understand that the, the body of believers here, the church that Peter is writing to, were suffering. They were about to undergo a fiery ordeal, as he warned in verse 12. And the challenge, the tendency... When we suffer, when things go awry, when things don't go as planned, when things get hectic, is uh, to scatter, to respond in the flesh, to everybody starts doing what is right in their own eyes. We kind of get in that just, uh, just make it work mode, just get through it mode. And Paul and Peter writes in verse 18 and 19 of what we just saw, it is with, if it was with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. It is because of that, it is because of the tendencies, the, the tendency of a sheep is to wander. All we like sheep, Romans 3 says, have gone astray, even in our, even in our walk. As believers, we tend to wonder. We tend to resort back to our own wisdom instead of allowing God's wisdom to fill our lives and guide our lives. And what Peter is writing is he's writing in lieu of that, in lieu of the difficulty, in lieu of the persecution, in lieu of, of all that they're going through, but all they're about to go through. Peter addresses the leaders here because how the leaders lead affects how the sheep follow. How the leaders lead is going to affect how the sheep follow. How the leaders lead even before they go through the fiery ordeal is going to affect how the sheep follow. I thought about it Monday night as I was, uh, uh, Debbie Tharp called me and explained to me what happened and about 9 o'clock and so I rushed down to Tampa General Hospital to, to meet Carly and Mark and... Uh, Kingston and, you know, the whole way down there, the whole way down there, I was praying, God, guard their hearts and minds. Guard their hearts and minds from the lies of the enemy. Guard, guard that mother and that father's hearts, lies about themselves as parents, lies about whether God is really for them or against them, not against them. Guard, guard Kingston's little heart from the lies that Satan would love to tell them. That God is not for them. That he hasn't loved them. That if he loved them, how would this happen? That, that's, I, I say that because that, that's, that's the unseen role of a shepherd. To look after the flock. To make sure their flock is equipped. We will, we will face persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We live in a fallen world. We're not immune to that as believers. Are we equipped to deal with that? How do we respond when, when, when trials come? How do we respond when things don't go, how do we, when things don't go as planned? How do we respond when, when our child, when this happens to our child. And the, the role of a shepherd is to prepare the flock. 
but it's also to guard the flock in the midst of that. And Mark, Mark was dealing with, you can imagine if that happened under your watch as a dad, the emotions that you'd be battling with. And just reminding him of God's goodness and just being there more than anything. And in lieu of, in lieu of, in light of the suffering, in light of the suffering that they're experiencing, in light of the suffering that's coming, in light of the fact that there's a coming judgment of God, God has established elders, He has established leaders amongst the flock to shepherd the flock, to look after the flock, to help the flock be equipped to stand firm, to, to not wonder. To not just scatter when trials come. To, 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 to be able to build their life on the promises of God. And the key word all throughout this, the key word all throughout this passage is, is humility. That's the tenor. That's the main point. In a, in, a church, in a healthy church, the elders will shepherd and the flock will submit all in a spirit of mutual humility. Humility on behalf of the leaders in giving of themselves of being ready to, to drop everything. I, I, listen, we were sitting there watching a movie. I had no idea what was going on. And phone call, just like that, changed everything. Are we ready? But it also requires humility on behalf of the sheep to be led. To realize that they need a shepherd. To not think, oh, that'll never happen to me. Oh, I, oh I'm good. I don't need a shepherd. I can just do Lone Ranger Christianity. I got this. I don't need other... That's a lie. Humility on behalf of the leaders, but also humility on behalf of those who are being led. That, that's the general overarching spirit. Uh, as, as we sang this morning, just the emotion of that, the humility of thinking that, that God would, that Jesus Christ, God himself, would take on flesh in order to be crucified in order to be treated as a criminal, in order for the, for the wrath of God that was due all the sins of the world to fall upon Christ who had no sin, and, and He would become sin for me, for you, that whosoever called upon the name of the Lord could be saved, could be forgiven, could, could go from unrighteous to righteous, because again, only the righteous inherit the kingdom of God. Humility. And I think if we were honest with ourselves when we read this passage, we, if we're honest with ourselves, all of our tendencies are to wander. All of our tendencies are to become proud. All of our tendencies are to think we, we know enough of the word or we know this, that'll never happen to me or, or I, I'm good. That's a lie. That's a lie. You don't know that. That's why every day we're in the word. Every day we're growing. That's why Peter himself says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That goes for leaders. That goes for the flock. And the, the, un, the, the undergirding of all of this is humility. For everything to work as it should, for us to, for, for us to maintain a spirit of humility, for us to lead in that, it requires of all of us a spirit of humility. A humility on my part as I lead, 
not, not forgetting again, as I lead, listen, I'm also being led. At the same time I'm leading you, I'm being led by the same shepherd that you're being led by. And I need that. But also humility on behalf of the sheep, understanding that, that you know, their leaders are doing the best they can, but that they need a shepherd. Otherwise, God would not have given us shepherds. And, and all of us have to realize that, again, as you see on the handout, that it is God to whom we are ultimately submitting to. Whether we are leading or whether we're following leaders, it's God to whom we are le- to who we're ultimately following. Because, again, trials... Trials test the cohesiveness, the unity, the strength of a church. They do that individually and they do that corporately. And in order to survive, we need, we need, strong, we need spiritual health. We need to be grounded in the truths of Scripture. We need strong leaders. This section, not surprisingly, is sandwiched between two sections that specifically deal with trials. We saw it last week in verses 12 through 19. And the very next verse, verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him that he, because he cares for you. Listen, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. The church needs to know their Savior. Needs to know their God. They need a high view of God to know and grasp and build your lives on the sure foundation that is Christ and know that that foundation, when the winds come, when the waves come and they crash, listen, that is a sure foundation. Christ is a sure foundation. I I thought about as as I studied this, even Ephesians Chapter 4, I'll read them, verses 11 and following. He says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ. What's that pastor's calling for? Maturity? Where is that maturity rooted? It's in a knowledge of who our God is. So that the winds and waves come, we can stand firm. Interestingly enough, you know, I hope you're praying for all those uh, devastated uh, by the storm. My parents live in Tallahassee. They said it's a mess. They came down here on Wednesday and stayed with us that evening. And my mother grew up in Port St. Joe. Her parents have have passed away, but she still has their home in Port St. Joe. You see firsthand the, what the wind and the waves and the damage that it does to people's lives. And in a very real way, trickery of doctrine and scheming and all the lies of Satan, that's what Satan's goal is to do to your life what that storm did to that property on Wednesday evening. To destroy it. That, that you would, as Paul said, that you would fall prey to making a shipwreck of your faith. 
We need a shepherd. We, we need to be healthy individually so that we can be healthy corporately. Because we're only as strong as what the individual members... You think about it, if your body, if your body has an ailing part, it, your whole body is ailing. If we as a body are, are ailing, we're all ailing. And we need shepherds. We, we need shepherds who have, are committed to God's word. And that's what Peter has in mind here, because the storms are coming. And we need to be equipped to stand for him. He says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. Even think about that. Think about the humility in which Peter writes here. He didn't come to you saying, look, I'm an apostle. You know what he says? I'm a fellow elder. Even the humility there. Listen, I, I happen to be your pastor, but you know what I am? I'm a fellow sheep. I'm being led by the same Savior. Humility. So I want to look at some... I want to break this passage down and, and, and show us the elders, what the elders' role and the way they serve and all that, but also the sheep's response. Because Peter gives the sheep's response here. And all of this, listen, all of it is wrapped up in humility. And in verses 1 and 2, he gives the elders responsibility. That's the word there, responsibility. To humbly shepherd God's flock, understanding that the flock is not our own, but it ultimately belongs to God. And as I said, right off the bat, you catch the humility of Peter. That though he is an apostle, he doesn't pull rank here. He's not exempt. He calls himself a fellow elder. He puts himself on their level. He's not asking anyone to do anything that he is not doing himself. And we need to be reminded that in the New Testament, there are three terms that really point to the same office of leadership in the church, but each of them sees it from a slightly different perspective. And you see them there on your handout, and the first one that he uses here is elder. The term is elder, and it focuses on the character qualities of the man, that he is a mature man of God. If you go to 1 Timothy 3, if you go to Titus 1, you see the qualifications there of an elder, and they point to maturity. They point to spiritual maturity. But you also see in Scripture, you'll see the term used overseer. That's the second word there. Sometimes it's interpreted bishop. The, the Greek is episkopos. It, it's, they're used interchangeably. You can go to Acts 20, verse 17, Acts 20, verse 28, Titus 1, 5, and 7. They're, they're used interchangeably. They, it, and that word looks at function. They're, they oversee, they shepherd. They look after, they manage, if you will. They steward. But you'll also see a term, the term pastor used. And that looks really at the, at the function of elder overseer from the, from the metaphor of us being sheep. And it really puts a picture there of, of what a pastor or an elder or an overseer is to do. They are to shepherd. And, and, and in some ways you could say that focuses maybe on the task. The task of the elder. Providing care. Feeding. Protecting. But Peter makes it very clear here that the function of an elder is to shepherd the flock in a way that points them to Christ. Ultimately, my responsibility is to point you to Christ. It is not to get you to ultimately follow me. It is to get you to follow Christ. It is to look beyond me, look at Christ through me, and see Christ. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, be imitators of me as what? As I imitate Christ. Look through me, look through our elders at Christ. That's ultimately who we're pointing you to. And the focus is on the cross. The focus is on what the cross accomplished. The focus is on the sufficiency of Christ. Especially in times of suffering, especially in times of trial. You, you see it there on your handout. The cross is at the center of the Christian life. And an elder must live by the cross daily and to be, help others do the same. Focusing on the suffering of Christ and, and, and the sufficiency of Christ. Being so satisfied, so, so built up, as it says in Ephesians 4, built up in Christ, so satisfied with who we have in Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. That when the waves come, and the winds come, and the world throws at you all these other false gods, you'll be so satisfied in Christ that these false gods will have nothing to offer you that you are not fully satisfied already in Christ. Please see the picture. Satan comes and wants to deceive you and wants you to fall in love with all these other little false gods. And, and the reason we do that is because it points us to the fact that there's something over here that we're not satisfied to in Christ. And the role of an elder is for you to see Christ high and lifted up, to be so satisfied, to be so, so content in the sufficiency and the awesomeness of Christ that these other things would have nothing to offer you. Nothing. That you don't have in Christ. The reality is that when the waves come... You're going to have to ask, you're going to ask, Satan is going to fill your minds with all kinds of lies. And what will you do with them? That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that fills my head, especially in times of trial, I am to take that back to the word of God and I'm to hold it up to the word of God. Does it fit or does it not fit? Does it fall in line with the word or does it not fall in line with the word? But listen, if you don't know the word, if I don't know the word, we have nothing to compare it to. We have no way of knowing it's a lie if we don't first know the truth. We have no way of, of being satisfied in Christ if we don't know how he has been revealed and satisfied in God as Christ has revealed him. We need to know. We need a knowledge of this word. Again, to prepare the sheep to the, to the gloriousness of Christ. And the number one responsibility you see there is to take care of the sheep. To take care. It's not to tell, listen, unfortunately it's not to tell you what you want to hear. It's not to tell you what you, it's to tell you what you need to hear. And that's uncomfortable sometimes, and that puts the, shepherd, the, the elders and the shepherds in. Listen, I love people, and I love have being friends with you. But, but listen, I love God more. My allegiance is first to Him. I am shepherding you on behalf of Him. You're not mine. I'm looking after somebody else's sheep for them, and they put down the guidelines of how their sheep are to be shepherded. My number one job is to take care of you. In John 21, 17, what did he say to Peter? Feed my sheep. Not feed your sheep. He, no, he said, feed my sheep. My job is to feed you. 
My job is to make you make to help you be strong. To 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 more than anything else to know the shepherd. Again, John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that you may know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. Intimately know him. Not like we said last week, not know about him. Know him. You know, and, and I thought about it as I, w- as I was at the hospital with Mark and just the, the way that God works. And, and I'm not saying God did this because of this. I, I don't know the mind of God. I mean, we looked at Job on... Wednesday night and, you know, Job verse 40. I, I, one of my favorite verses, Job basically says, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth and shut up. Because it's too, mo- too much for me. Your knowledge is way too much for me. But I, but I sat there with a guy who, with a dad who was broken. And about seven years ago, my wife and I were broken. We had a daughter who fell out of a grocery cart, fractured skull, bleeding on the brain, concussion. Didn't speak for about two days. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Comfort others with the comfort you've been comforted with. You know, as I, was, I was able to share with Mark, hey, God is sufficient. The same God that walked me, me and my wife through that is the same God who is here today in this ER and will walk you through this. He's sufficient. But that's the role of a shepherd. It's to fix, to fix the sheep's eyes on Christ. To stand firm in the grace of God. To be doctrinally sound so that you're not blown around by every wind and wave and trickery of doctrine. And everything that Satan throws at you, you're like, well, that sounds good and that sounds good. No, it doesn't sound good when you compare it to the Word. We need to be doctrinally sound. We need to know the shepherd. That's the responsibility The responsibility of the shepherd is is not to tickle your ears. It's not to tell you how great you are. It's to tell you how great the shepherd is. It's to guide you to the shepherd. And Peter says that in verses 1 and 2. And in verses 2 and 3, he tells the, the elders' manner of shepherding. We don't get to shepherd however we want. And there are temptations along the way to shepherd in ways and to guide in ways that fall short of the glory of God. They fall short of the mandate. And it's always been the issue. I, I, Dwayne reminded me, and I was, I was kidding him. I was like, well, you just add another page of notes to my sermon. So when that thing gets long, email Dwayne. He emailed, he, he reminded me yesterday of Ezekiel 34. Listen to what, listen to what, listen to where the warning here against the shepherds of Israel. The tendency has always been to lead however you want. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The disease, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back, nor have sought the lost. 
but with force and severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live. And he goes on, surely, because my flock has become prey, my flock has even become for all the beasts of the field for a lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather my shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. He says, verse 10, behold, I am against those shepherds. What, what you see there is exactly what Peter warns against here in our passage. They fed themselves and not the people. They were selfish. They usurped the people. Listen, you don't have to look far to look around and see so-called elders doing that even today. I mean, not to be not to be not to be crude or offensive or, or whatever, but you know, you see guys. Oh, this three million dollar plane isn't good enough. I need an eighty million dollar plane. Are you serious? Seriously. Seriously. How, how is that different? It's not about you. It's not about me. And Peter, Peter lays down the responsibilities here of how they care for the sheep. The, the shepherd is to give, them li- give their life over to the sheep, not the sheep give their lives over for the shepherd to have a fancier plane. And again, what happens when you don't shepherd? The flock scatters, exactly what I said. They go, they go their own way. They fall prey to all the deceptive doctrines and all the deceitfulness and scheming of the enemy. And they wonder. And what Peter does here in verses 2 and 3 is give us three characteristics through contrasts of how a shepherd is to shepherd. And he says, first of all, in verse 2, that elders cannot shepherd under compulsion, but they must voluntarily serve according to the will of God. This is a warning against laziness. Against physical and spiritual laziness. Look, an elder ought not to lead out of simply out of a duty. They ought to lead out of a delight. When, when I got the call Monday night, we were right in the middle of something as a family. But listen, it took second play. It took second immediately. It was no. Get, I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to meet the, the. I'm going to meet the sheep. And I don't say that to my. I'm just simply saying that was. That's what the heart of a shepherd. The heart of a shepherd ought to be at all moments thinking about the sheep. And at any moment, let's care for the sheep if they need it. As best as they can. But listen, there's many of you, so we also care for each other. But, but what he's saying is the overseer doesn't, doesn't serve in a manner of self-willed ambition. It's according to God, he says in verse 2. Again, shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. And, and think about this. What would, make a, what would make someone not want to eagerly serve? Persecution. Putting yourself on the front line. When the shots start getting fired, guess what? The commander gets them. He's not immune if he's leading the sheep. He's one of the first targets. And the rest, again, it's not always fun. It's not easy. And this is a difficult passage. I was telling somebody this week, 
they were asking about a sermon. I said, it's a, it's a hard one to serve. It's a hard one to preach because I don't, it's not about me, but, but it's not easy to be a leader. It's not easy to be an, an elder. And when the shots are fired, again, we're on the front lines. When, when you've got to tell the sheep what they don't want to hear, but rather what they need to hear, that's not fun. It's not easy. But ultimately, who do we serve? Ultimately, we serve the Lord. And we must serve gladly, not under compulsion. But secondly, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. He says, not for sordid gain, right there, but eat, but with eagerness. This is a warning against any form of greed. It's very tempting to serve for the wrong reasons in any way. Financially, power, in the next phrase... Listen, if, 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 you're, if, if an elder is leading to pay his bills and just to get by, he's leading for the wrong reasons. If you're leading for the perks, if, you're, if your elder is leading for esteem of, of having, it can be tempting to fall prey to just the, of just the pride of having people look to you for answers. Oh, you know the word well, you know this. No, I don't. I'm getting, I may be getting there, but I wouldn't say I know the word. I mean, I, I want to know the word well, and I, I think I'm learning, but I'm still feeding like you are. I'm still coming to the word every single day like you are. Listen, I battle every single day in coming to the word every single day. One of the great temptations of a pastor is for me to, li to live off of yesterday's bread or last week's bread and get by because I maybe know more than a few other people. No, serve, serve eagerly. Not about, it's not about money. It's, not about, you know, it's okay, clearly from 1 Timothy 5 and other passages, it's okay to pay your pastor. It's okay to pay your... But, but hopefully they're not doing it for the money. And again, it sounds self-serving, but contrary to popular belief, th this is not a one-day-a-week job. It's not. And again, that's, it can sound self-serving for me to say that. You go to bed thinking about the sheep. You wake up thinking about the sheep. The moment I get out of this pulpit, I'm thinking about next week. I feel like every other day is Sunday. But, but at the same time, I'm being led by a shepherd as, a, by a shepherd as well. But do it, do it because it's, I do it because it's a joy. Hopefully the elders do it because they love the word and they love, they love seeing other people fall in love with the word. Eagerness. Willingly. Lastly, he said, being not, not lording it over those in your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. This is a warning against pride. This is not a do as I say, not as I do endeavor. As I said, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is a warning against allowing prestige and power and prominence. Still, again, the fight is humility. And we said, Peter illustrates in his, this in his own life, calling himself a fellow elder. No mention of apostle here. He's not laying claim to an exalted title. He, he's, he's expressing a willingness to suffer 
just like everyone else. And he even mentions, it, mentions here the witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory to be revealed. You know what Peter is saying there? I'm with you in the struggle. I bear the marks of suffering in my own life. I'm with you. I'm in the same fire that purifies, that's purifying you. I'm in there with you. He's practicing what he preaches in verse 3. And it, it isn't about power. It isn't about prestige. It's about being an example. And, and, and even here he says... Not lording it over as those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. It's, it's understanding the fact that you do not belong to me. You who are believers belong to the Lord. I am an under-shepherd on behalf of the Lord. I am stewarding, I am shepherding you on behalf of your real shepherd. And again, it underscores, you see there in your handout, the fact that God has entrusted overseers over the flock. He's entrusted the flock with overseers. I, I, don't, I don't serve at my own whim. I take my cues from the Lord and through the word and I lead accordingly and so do our, the rest of our elders. There are times certainly when we have to take a stand and say, listen, we're not singing that song or we're not practicing that practice or we're not doing that. And, and some, you know, Matthew 18, there's a, there's a time for church discipline and Listen, but we do that because we're standing on the word. We do that because the word calls us to do that. And, and we need to understand as, as sheep and as shepherds that what you see on your handout there, that the emphasis on leadership is more about responsibility than it is about privilege. It's about responsibility. Just like being a leader in your own home, it's primarily about taking responsibility. It's not about the privilege. It, it is a privilege to lead, but it is more about the responsibility that comes with that privilege. And with leadership comes the possibility, the temptation to serve for the wrong motives, to lose humility, to lose that sense of awe and privilege of who we serve, to take advantage why James in James 3 says not many of you should become teachers why the draw in that day was for to become a teacher because there was prestige and there was honor and there was notoriety and everybody was oh well I'm going to do that and James is saying don't do that because you inflict upon yourself stricter judgment when you're a teacher and you're wanting to become a teacher for the wrong reasons it's not about fame it's not about priority it's not about any of those things It's about humbly serving on behalf of our great God and Savior. It's about doing it in a way that God commands, not according to your own wisdom. Not, not in a way that's just interested in just getting a crowd here. It's feeding the sheep. Building up the sheep. So that they're able to stand firm. Stand on the grace of God. And in verse 4, Peter addresses... Uh, the reward, the reward for shepherding. Again, not only the, not only the responsibility, not only the, the manner, but, but here in verse 4, the reward for shepherding. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Again, all of it back to the resurrection. Verse 3 of chapter 1, our living hope. 
Again, he's saying what it says there on your handout, the fact that Christ is the chief shepherd, again, reminds us that we are only stewards accountable to the chief. You look back at Acts 20, verse 28. Listen to what he writes. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It's interesting, if you go to read 1 Corinthians in that day, 1 Corinthians and even in 2 Corinthians, the, the Christians were saying, well, I'm a follower of Apollos, and I'm a follower of this guy, and I'm a follower of this guy, and I'm a follower of this guy. And you know what Paul says? He says, which one of those guys died for you? Any of those, any of those guys die for you? I don't, I, don't, I don't recall them dying for you, did they? And, and listen, in our day, following personalities, immensely popular immensely tempting. Oh, well, I listen to this guy, and I listen to this guy, and I listen to this guy, and I only read this guy. Listen, did they die for you? You know, I know people, when they, when they interpret the word, they say, well, all that matters is what this guy says about it. Did he die for you? He's not all-knowing. Christ died for you. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one to whom we ultimately follow. It's not, I mean, and again, you, you can get elected pastor and you can get elected president with no character at all. Just look the part. Just look the part. Nice head of hair, about 6'1, 220. A lot of things I'm not. Don't have a nice head of hair. Not 6'1, not 220. You know? Do we care about internals or externals? Do we care about the character of the man? Or do we just care about the appearance? Hey, we need that guy because he looks the part. And, you know, he'll, he'll attract people here. And he's a great orator. And he's a, a great speaker. And you know what? You know what Paul says? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I preach in a way that your faith does not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the wisdom of God. It's not about being a great orator. It's not great. It's about the wisdom of God. It's about the word of God. There's coming a day where all of us, even myself, I am going to give an account for how I shepherded this church. Our elders are going to give an account on how we shepherded this church. How did we feed? How did we protect? How did we nourish the flock? Did we do it according to our wisdom or did we do it according to the word of God and God's wisdom? Did we tell the people what they wanted to hear and make, us, make ourselves immensely popular or did we tell them what the word says? There's coming a day when the chief shepherd is coming back and he's going to want to know this. How did you shepherd my sheep? I mean, imagine if somebody gave you your business to run, their business to run while they were gone, and let's say they were going to be gone for a couple years, and you, and you just said, and they told, taught you how to do it, and when they came back, you're like, you know what? I didn't like the way you did it this way, so I decided to do it this way, and I didn't like the way you said it right here, and I said I was going to do it. What would you say to that person? That wasn't your responsibility. That wasn't your call. I left you in charge to, to shepherd the way that I told you to shepherd as I shepherded you. It's not about man's wisdom. 
It's about God's wisdom. And again, the word of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18, is foolishness. The Bible says it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved by it, you know what? It's the wisdom of God. It's not about what we want. It's about what we need. And, and, and us elders, elders are going to be held responsible, held accountable for how they shepherded. But lastly, he talks about verse 5, the sheep's response. Enough about, enough about the elders, let's talk about you. The sheep's response. You younger men, likewise, and there he's just probably talking about elders would have been older, mature men, just younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, young here could refer to age, it could refer to spiritual maturity, but either way, Peter is saying the same thing. Obey those who are charged to give oversight of the flock. If your elder is worthy of holding the office, he's worthy of being followed. If he doesn't meet the qualifications, he shouldn't be there to begin with. And again, not to say we're perfect, not to say we're beyond mistakes, not to say you wouldn't quietly come alongside and ask questions. That's not at all what it's saying. If we go against a clear principle of Scripture, by all means. But overall... Submit. And again, even that requires great humility. It's not fun to, to submit to people. It's not easy. Certainly not easy to submit to people that we know well sometimes. Think that we could do it better. That's why he says, clothe yourselves with humility. You see it on your handout. If the body of Christ is going to function correctly, every member must clothe themselves with humility. Clothe there literally means it is a unique word. It referred to an apron, a re- literally a servant's apron that somebody would put on. I think I thought about it as I was writing this. I thought about the aprons that uh, our kitchen staff use in there. They all have their names on them. That's the picture. Clothe yourself. When, listen, when somebody, when Tom faithfully on Wednesday puts on that apron, you know, servant. It's a servant. Though he is our equal, and there's many others in there. Listen, Barbara, David, all of them. Ronnie, Monica, all of them. They're serving. They're humbly saying, I am here to serve you. I'm going to wash your dishes. I'm going to clean out that coffee pot. I'm going to sweep. I'm going to do a servant. You think it's possible Peter was recalling to his mind John 13 when Jesus took on a garment and washed their feet? You think his mind might have been thinking about that? This humility? Again, God is opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. God opposes, he will oppose, you see it there, those who consistently exalt themselves and disobey the leadership of the church. He's quoting Proverbs 3.34 there. James 4.6 says the same thing. God has placed leaders over the sheep for a reason. It's for their good. For the good of the flock, whether they understand it or not, it's for their good. 
to equip them to stand firm in the grace of God, to be prepared to suffer well, to be prepared to, to stand firm in the onslaught of the enemy, of his lies and his scheming and his prowling around looking for someone to devour, that he's the fi- his lies, as John 10 says, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that he is the father of all lies, John 8, to prepare. And, and understand, again, Hebrews 13, 17, and Again, it sounds self-serving as the pastor, but listen to what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. You know how much fun it is to lead a bunch of people who are fighting at every step of the way? who are opposing at every step of the way. It doesn't make for a happy leader. It doesn't make for a joyful leader. Sheep constantly wanting to do their own thing, not trusting. I'm not, again, we're not, no, no leader is immutable. Or not immutable. All, perfect. Immutable is unchanging. Sorry, that's a whole, we're definitely not unchanging. No leader is perfect. But you see how humility at all fronts. Leadership, whether in the church or in the home or the government, means you're the one that God holds accountable. We will be held accountable for how we lead. And nothing, nothing destroys a church quicker than pride. Nothing causes more problems quicker than pride. It's the root of all the dissension and everything else. It's pride. And at every front here, Peter is calling for them to be humble, especially under persecution. And again, Christ is the example. I think about Philippians 2, and he says, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but look out for the interest of others. And it goes on to say, looking to Christ, who again humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. God has faithfully, as he said in Ezekiel 34, he has, he has provided a shepherd. And his name is Jesus. And he is the good shepherd. And the reason he is good is because he was in contrast to all the other shepherds, shepherds that Israel had, had endured. And, that, and God promises through Christ, and He does through Christ, to feed and to lead and deliver and to care for everything we need. And God Himself feeds His sheep. He seeks the lost. He repairs the broken. He returns the scattered. He heals the sick. He forgives sin. Christ truly is the Good Shepherd. And the job of any leader is to lead people to that shepherd. To feast first and foremost on that shepherd. Look to Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, you're not sure, look to Christ. Christ is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. If you're here and you say, well, Chris, I'm saved, look to Christ. Look to the good shepherd. Either way, the emphasis is on Christ. 
God has faithfully done what he said he would do, what he promised to do in Ezekiel, and that is provide a shepherd, and he did that in Christ. Look to Christ. And may the leaders here, may the leaders follow Christ, and may the sheep, follow, may the sheep support their leaders as far as they can by submitting to them, by ultimately themselves submitting to Christ. Either way, Christ is it. Either way, the focus is on Christ.